I was absolutely just mesmerized and also kind of scared all at the same time. Welcome, everyone, to the CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. Hi, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 11th. The Cavaliers have uh, opened training camp. Um, media folks got to see 30 minutes-ish of the first practice. Um, we've gotten some clips and some immediate availability since then. Um, we'll be back at it on Friday um, when, when when folks get to see the next 30 minutes. Uh, but I think we, you know, you, you can you jump to some conclusions if you want. So that's what we're going to do on this here program and talk a little bit about what we've seen so far from uh, from the Cavaliers on the field. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? And certainly sort of how does, uh, you know, what's the storyline of this camp so far? Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty well. Yeah, I started back to school up here this week. So we're, my kids are going to school tomorrow for the third day in a row for the first time since March of 2020, 2019. I don't can't remember now. It's been a long time. So good luck to them. Who Dave's on the board at? Who Dave's on Twitter? Uh, you said that like they were like jettisoned on like a buoy. Good luck to them. That was just that was just funny. Now it's just weird, you know. I mean, kids getting their habits, man. They not having back to back school. They're they're dragging butt tonight. <laughs> so tomorrow will <laughs> be interesting. Hey, I can promise you that when you change your schedule, all of a sudden things get real tiring. All right, I'm just, I'm just speaking from experience. Um, up in uh, Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. What's going on, my dude? Yeah, Dave said dragon butt, so it's good to see that some people can still clean up their language. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, if we make this a cursing show, I'm going to be very excited. Add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Uh, and managing editor Damon Dillman is also back on the program. He has not quit yet, um, but there's rumor that Dowdy will be at Friday's practice, so we'll, we'll wait and see how that transpires. Damon, how are you tonight, sir? Hello. <laughs> how do i turn off mute <laughs> man that's a that's an oldie but goodie right there oh uh, there are some right. listen there are some people that were born for zoom and then there are some people who were just not meant to, to to have to manage mute buttons and doug was one of those people but uh love you doug miss you hope you're doing well he's um, doing just fine don't worry about that <laughs> uh actually that's not true his pug dragged him into a lake the other day Wait, one a person can get dragged into a lake by a pug? Uh, actually, I should say river, not lake. But yes, okay. you know, reading the text message, you think he had a Rottweiler. Then you realize that he has, he has two pugs. The, the body of water is not nearly as important as the rest of the size of the Fortunately, a nurse was walking by and tended to my wound. I'm sorry, he had a wound? That this has really gotten off track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to back. This, we got to we got to reel this in because sooner sooner than later, Doug Daddy's going to take over our podcast. All right, uh, Damon, give the good people your Twitter handle real quick. At Damon Dillman. 
and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the content items. Uh, maybe sometimes the income updates. I don't know. And the occasional witty banter. Um, man, who knew? Who would have known that Doug would have taken over the show? And he's not even here. See, look at that. Just just his his the mere mention of Doug and, and everything goes off the rails. Uh, speaking of off the rails, the the practice that, that we saw the other day, um, <laughs> it definitely didn't start the way I expected. With you know Bronco a little bit uh, perturbed with with things, and um, I, I thought that of the time that we saw, um, that did set the tone at least as far as I could tell. Um, there was another portion we were walking um, from one part of the uh, field, um, kind of walking around the other and. The offensive linemen had run over to the corner and were with 2J, and then something happened on the other field that somebody was unhappy with. And so they were basically calling guys back. And I heard just heard 2J go, 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 go. And the, I mean, every offensive lineman puts their helmet on, and they, you know, they're all big, huge dudes. So they start running, and they get like halfway there. And whatever, whatever necessitated them to return was now no longer in session. And so they were able to stop running. And I kind of felt bad for them because they ran, you know, half of a football field width over um and then just basically went back where they were for no reason um but anyway there's not a whole lot of obviously 11 on 11 stuff you're going to see in this setting there's not a whole lot that you're going to you know gather specifically from just what you see on the field but you can gain a lot of insight i think from one seeing who's doing what so for example when we got to practice the other day uh, luke wentz is out there with um you know the wide receivers and seems to be you know by and large, getting what amounts to um, some walkthrough reps, you know, with the ones. I mean, he's out there, um, you know, with Brendan Armstrong, and and um, you know, this is just skill position guys. So it's not like it's you know true eleven on eleven. Um, and then we get images the other day with you know um, friend of the pod Malachi Fields getting some burn, which maybe most of us probably wouldn't have spe- expected. Damon, and, and thus far, what's been the biggest surprise to you? Um, as you've not just obviously been at practice, but talked to players and coaches, what's been the biggest shock or is this, or is the surprise that there hasn't really been much, uh, that you weren't expecting? What's, what would you say so far? Yeah. I don't know if there's been much that has really surprised me at all. I just think there's a definitely a, there's definitely a level of urgency around this team right now is the vibe that I have gotten. And I think it all starts, I think, going back to Bronco kind of losing his temper at practice that day it was so out of character for him all these years we've been going to these open practices and and I you know it's very rare that you hear him say much at all and then when you're I don't know 40 50 yards away from him and you hear him laying into a couple of his assistants that's that's going to get your attention and that's going to set a tone and I think that does set a tone of urgency and and wanting to get things accomplished and all the players we talked to after practice on Friday the guys who've been on Zoom throughout the course of this week there's just I think I think especially on a defense from a defensive sense, there's definitely that idea that they underachieved last year and they they really believe that they're better than the way they look last year. And I think I texted you this the other day after I was kind of digging even deeper into the numbers, especially the past defense numbers last year, just how bad of a year they had as a past defense. It's it's unprecedented. 304 yards per game. That's that's that, if you want to ask me what I'm most surprised by, it's that I didn't realize just how bad that was at first glance. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely this sense of urgency around this team right now. And these guys, uh, I think it all sparks from those, 
those super seniors who are back for this bonus year, so to speak, and just getting a second chance to, to go out the right way. And, and I think that has kind of permeated its way through the entire team, especially on the defense. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good way to frame it. Urgent, right? That's what uh, Nick Jackson, the word, you know, he used the other day, Noah Taylor certainly seen, you know, in, in talking to him after practice, certainly seen that way as well. Dave, as a fan who, who had to endure five and five and everything that sort of came before it and everything that's come since, how happy are you to hear that there's that sense of urgency um, and that they are, you know, at least from the outside looking in that they do have, you know, that sort of um, mindset going into, you know, these, what did they say? 25 practices or however many there are before the season opens. How, how happy are you to hear about that? And, and what's, what stood out to you from afar so far? I mean, I don't know how happy I am to hear about the urgency. I mean, I kind of expected that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, endure five and five is probably a stronger word. I was just happy to have something to watch. <laughs> Fair, good doing. point. Fair enough. Um, good point. So, um, I mean, I would. I, mean, I think I was a, I was definitely a little caught off guard that not that Bronco like got on his assistants. It's that he did it when he knew like the thirty minutes that week the meteor there. Um, I don't like. I assume that wasn't intentional, but maybe it was. You know, he, you know, if you listen to Bronco last year, like he did very little coaching. I mean, basically, he said he was the head COVID protocol guy. Um, obviously, he got to do a little more in the spring, but you know, now he's finally back to doing what he wants to do, and you know, it's good. Like, I mean, I love, I've loved seeing that because, you know, I think at times, it's just fun when someone, you know. If um, John Tenuta had done it, I don't think it would be news, right? <laughs> like, it's just different character. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this time of year is always weird. We talk, we talk about it every year. You see the highlights they put out, um, and you kind of – you try to decipher what they mean. Um, sometimes it means something, like when you see a Malachi or Wentz um, where they shouldn't be. Sometimes it's maybe them just messing with us. Um, but, I mean, I do think Malachi is going to play a little bit. And the uh, – you know, I watch the, the highlights of Wicks making big plays, and I get all excited, and then I realize, oh, there's our defensive backs not stopping anyone again. So, it's that that kind of like spring ball. You know, during during training camp, you, you can't get too excited about it. Any good play you see, because that means your other side of your team gave up a play. But um, yeah, it's the one thing that I would say concerns me at this point is I don't hear a lot of talk about the defensive backs. Like, you know, obviously we haven't gotten any of those guys in. You know, I need a defensive backs coach you know, for media availability yet. But, um, like, I mean, I'd like to hear more being discussed about them because, like, Damon was talking about, like, 340 yards a game. I mean, they got to get better just to be bad. You know, they were, they were terrible. They, they got to get significantly better just to be a bad defensive team, um, on the back end. So I'm hoping we, we see that. But, you know, one week, almost a week into camp, I'd like to, I'd like to start seeing some progress. Maybe they're keeping that from us, but yeah, <laughs> that's where, that's where my eyes are right now. And all the videos they release. What about you for what's um, in the big picture, right? Um, we, we obviously won't get to see um, anything that resembles real football. Um, and you can only glean, but so much um, has there been anything that you've been able to glean so far, anything that's kind of stood out to you um, over the course of the first week-ish? No. I mean, it, we only kind of, you know, they're very careful, I guess, about what we're given access to in terms of, you know, what 
the media is able to see and then also um you know like what they put out on social media and so on and so forth so it's kind of taking little anecdotes and trying to piece things together you know we can the three of us especially i mean i'm, I'm sure damon has done this too but um you know like in past camps we're trying to like take the one minute clips from a scrimmage and try to figure out what to make of it you know um that's so true Terrell chapman is terrell owens um Okay, you know, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Who said that? No, nobody said that. Don't do that. No, nobody's nobody said that, but I mean okay. it certainly looked he like was, it for like my at least guy. one it did. year. So it, it yeah. did it he did look my like guy. It. That's true. Yeah, he I mean, was your guy. That's true. And that sort of stuff was I'm not saying like it was always like that, but a lot of times it's like who is playing, like, oh, this guy was out there, so this other person must be hurt. Or um, you know, this looks like a freshman that seems like they're gonna play a lot. You know, we saw we've seen a lot of that kind of stuff. Bryce Perkins looked really fast. Um yeah, I mean, so, like, we'll just have to keep an eye on things. I mean, obviously, it seems like, um, without reading too much into it, it seems like UVA expects Dontavian Wicks to be a thing. Um, you know, like, they're certainly hyping him. Um, and I, I think that's probably mostly because he's just been making plays in camp and, and they have a lot of, you know, footage to use. But at the same time, usually, I mean, historically, when we see stuff like that get put out, it's like, it's not an indication of them, you know, thinking that he's not going to be good. Um, it's, it, you know, it, they usually give that sort of love to the players who are more established. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Other than that, I mean, um, as far as like the sense of urgency, I think that, that that's about what I would expect considering um, I'm sure that a lot of the players are excited to get back to some sense of normalcy around the season after what happened last year, where everybody sort of had to tiptoe through it not knowing if you were going to play a game each week, not knowing who was going to be available, not knowing, you know, obviously no fans, all that kind of stuff. This season should be sort of a return to normalcy. And I think, I'm, you know, and it's a 12 game season. So I'm sure that, you know, the players are excited and, and, and ready to go. And the coaches are trying to get them ready to go as well, especially considering the schedule they have this year. Um, there's not a lot of weeks where you can just walk in and expect to blow out your opponent. So they're going to need to, to be ready to be at a high level all the time. Um, in the, one of the things I thought was interesting and, um, everybody gather around the campfire. I'm going to tell a, I'm going to tell a little inside baseball here. So we have been talking on the show for a good long while about the possibility that Virginia was going to switch its, at least its main defensive alignment. That's not to say they're obviously going to, you know, line up every snap and be, you know, in a three, three, five. But we've talked about it enough, right? We, we, the, the, the writing was on the wall, and, and even though nobody's actually come out and said it, it certainly felt that way. All right, so the other day, I believe Damon was over talking to Olu, um, and so I went to talk to Noah Taylor. And I asked Noah, you know, kind of the idea of, you, now that, you know, Charles is gone, Zane's gone, Nick is younger than you, so you're now the old head in the room, essentially, right? Um, and I was basically trying to get at, What's it like for him to step into a leadership role, especially, you know, amid other change? And I made a comment um, to the extent of, you know, we know you're going to a 335. You don't talk about it. The smile he gave me, I mean, if, 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 if I could have recorded it, I mean, it would have been the best confirmation ever. Um, but it was very clear to me in talking to him. And he talked again about, you know, doing some inside stuff. And I know Elliot Brown has done some inside stuff. I mean, it's clear to me that they want to have um, multi, multi-trained, multi right, linebackers across that, um, 
that group so that you know they can move around a little bit. I, I I'm starting to think, and this might be a little bit of preseason awesomeness disease stepping in, that the three three five idea certainly um, not only does it have juice, but certainly that it it could actually fit this personnel a little bit better. Um, in the if you think about today's point about not hearing a whole lot about the secondary, that's probably as much a function of just having to wait until they actually got pads on um, and actually had some true 11 on stuff. Um, but it certainly looks like, at least from the clips that they've shown um, and the way that um, various folks have talked, uh, it seems like the offense is in a good spot, um, but that defensively they feel like they've got you know really good experience. And whether the experience is actually translating to you know good reps – you know, they had lots of experience last year, right? Uh, and to Damon's point earlier, you know, that that was a group that really struggled. Um, so I'd be, I'm really curious to hear what Bronco has to say on Friday. Um, Damon, in terms of the defense, um, what's the biggest kind of question you want Bronco to answer come Friday? Is it about the secondary? Is it really about that that linebacking core? Um you know, I mean, we haven't heard a whole lot about Aaron Famui being back, but I would imagine now that pads are on, you know, that's that's going to be a little bit where you know you start to see a little bit of um, you know the, the 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 fruit, so to speak, of of having a little bit deeper um, roster or a little bit deeper um, group there up front. What, what's what's your do you have anything on the defensive side that you're really looking for Bronco to talk about after you know practice on Friday? I would just be curious what they're doing to improve defensively, because if you think back to when they first got here, uh, they weren't very, remember they weren't those first maybe two years under Bronco and Nick Howell as a defense, they really weren't all that good against the run. And then going into that third year, they made some tweaks to the defense and obviously the personnel improved as they started getting their recruits in that they had, uh, that they had targeted themselves and not guys they had inherited but all of a sudden they became a really good defense against the run and they've remained that way these last few years. So all of a sudden last year, the bottom just not, not to keep beating this horse, but the bottom just fell out of the defense defensively against the pass. And so it's, what are you doing now to make those tweaks, whether it's personnel, whether it's scheme, whether it's a combination of both moving guys around, but how, how are you going to fix this? What, what could, because we know, we know this coaching staff has been doing its diligence. We know it's just it, it's just their style that they're they're trying to come up with ways. They're trying to do their diligence. They're trying to figure out how do we get back to even like to the point Dave made earlier. Even mediocre would be a tremendous step up for this defense compared to the way they they, they played last year. So I don't know how much they want to offer up. I don't know. I, I think there's a reason why a lot of this stuff, why we only got to see stretching and field goal kicking and a little bit of uh, uh, coverage tackling last week. I have a hunch it'll be the same thing for the 30 minutes that are open to the media this Friday night at practice. I think on both sides of the ball, there are some things that they're trying to keep as close to the chest as possible. But I think especially defensively, if they're planning some some scheme changes and giving teams different looks, I, I don't know how much Bronco is going to offer up, how forthcoming he's going to be, but I, I would be interested here because we know that when Bronco wants to be brutally honest and blunt, he will be. He's pretty transparent, especially compared to most college football coaches. So 
I would just be interested to hear a week into camp now what kind of changes they're making and how those changes have been effective in these first couple of practices as they try to get this figured out. Dave, you've always been the one who who zeroes in. Um, I swear to God, Dave, Dave can figure things out based like on if Bronco seems like kind of edgy. Like something happened, and then like two days later, you'll find out somebody got hurt, and you're like, Dave is a kind of a savant at this. Um, I thought the other day he was, he was as, as focused as I've seen him in a long time, and I wonder whether you think that's because he realizes the work ahead, or, um, that he has that they're you know sometimes coaches can get super intense when they realize they've got a good group and they want to get them right, um. But to your point, to this point in, in, in what you've seen uh, and heard from Bronco, what's your, what's your gut telling you about where kind of his, his mindset is, you know, as camp is, is now underway? It was, I mean, I think I texted you during, like, as I was watching the video of it, his time with you guys. Um, that was Friday, right? Um, mm-hmm. Last yeah. Friday. Like, I said, I, I thought he seemed a little irritated, like, short at times. Um, not in a bad way, just like he – like he's got a lot on his plate and he's ready to, you know, get through this and move on. Can't remember the question that someone asked specifically that he kind of had a quick answer about. It wasn't yours, Brad, it was someone else's. Um, but um, I mean, if anything I've gleaned, like I went back and was kind of looking through some some old fall camp stuff. And I think I see a pat like I think Broncos normally is pretty like most of the stuff we hear week one is usually pretty positive. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually week two and three where they start honing in on stuff they need to work on. Um, so like, I mean, I guess we'll see if Friday night, like we start to see that part of it um, from them. And my, my guess is you will. I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, they have what 32 workouts leading into fall camp after going through all that stuff last year. He's probably trying to keep them in a good headspace, not put any negative stuff out there. Um, but, you know, they get their one week of, of, pats on the back and then they'll get some, you know, uh, they'll put some criticism out there, but um, yeah, the one thing, the one thing I wanted to, meant to mention earlier of all the media, uh, you know, the, the media stuff this week, the one thing I took away the most was how relaxed Brendan Armstrong looked. Like he looked like a confident dude. Um, and that encouraged me that the offense is going to be all right. So we can focus on the defensive side. Huh. Interesting. I was actually my when I came back to Damon, I was going to ask about that. Ferber, you you obviously with the film room and stuff, you you get to <laughs> you get to see a lot of the the warts, <laughs> and you you have to focus on them um, because you're kind of explaining sort of what happened. Um, do you think that the the secondary issues that Virginia has had, um, it, it, it maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here, but in 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 reading last the fat last film room, it, it kind of felt like to me what you were seeing was easily fixable stuff right um now obviously moving ricky brumfield over to cornerbacks and letting um shane hunter have safeties that is a dramatic change for them um and i'm not going to ask you to you know i'm not gonna put you on the spot and be like do you think that's enough um but in 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 terms of preparing the the secondary and preparing the defense in general for what's coming in the next you know month or so right um you know, it won't be long until they'll be in, you know, Chapel Hill. Um, I, I wonder if we see things as somewhat fixable and Bronco made the changes he made, 
how quickly do they have to get off to a fast start before it feels like, you know, to, to sort of to Dave's point there a minute ago about sort of him wanting to keep them sort of for, sort of focused and everything. Like what you've seen on film uh, and what you've broken down for the for the film rooms and stuff. Have do you see something, uh, some stuff you know stuff that you see? Is it is it easily fixable in your opinion? And if so, or, um. And either way that goes, what does that mean for the first part of the season? Like, how good do they need to be out of the gate in order to sort of find some consistency? Do you think they have to be, you know, markedly improved? Or is this something that, you know, they can sort of work up to um, before they get to, to that matchup with Sam Howell? Yeah, I think they definitely need to be better than they were last year. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, um, yeah, I think – Without like overplaying it, I, I think that they kind of have a little bit of a ramp up to that game um, just because you get an FCS opponent and then you get Illinois, who's probably going to be running the ball quite a bit with their new offense. Um, I, I think that that probably takes a little bit of pressure off of, of the secondary to start the season and maybe they get a couple of good games under their belt and that gives them some confidence um, going into North Carolina and beyond. Um, if you look at their issues against the past last year, I, I would say that most of them came against teams with good passing games, which is no surprise, but um, it, it does kind of uh, show you that like, you know, the quarterbacks that can really hurt you were the ones that hurt them, except with the few exceptions, you know, like Boston college's backup quarterback really hurt them. Um, I think some of the stuff is really fixable. Some of it um, might be ingrained. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you can just be like, all right, these guys are all really, really good players and they just haven't been playing well. So we'll just teach them better and they'll fix it. Um, I think that you can get them to be better. I think some of the stuff we saw was like miscommunication or like not playing the ball well in the air. Um, you know, there were obviously plenty of plays where the guys just got beat um, and, and that stuff might be harder to fix with the personnel. You're just going to have to scheme it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe throw some different looks at guys and maybe ask the safeties to do a little bit more help in coverage. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you do. It depends on the team you're playing, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that – and, again, you know, like we said last week, like the pressure has to be there too. So they can't be given all day to throw because any, any quarterback will beat you if they have too much time. Um, but, yeah, I think the communication stuff is going to be big and hopefully like having spring practice and – you know, a fall camp, a full fall camp um, should help in that regard. I mean, you did have like a new safety last year in D'Angelo Amos, who probably didn't have a ton of time to work his way in. And, you know, that maybe that caused some issues, but you also had some veteran guys that have been around. So like, I don't think it's completely on that. Um, I'm not sure, like from a technique standpoint, like how much, you know, you're expecting them to, to change for guys like Nick Grant and, and Cross and other guys that have been around for a long time. But, I mean, you do have a pretty deep group of young players behind them and then a couple of potential impact transfers. Um, so maybe some of these issues get sorted out just by switching up the personnel a little bit. We'll see. Um, I think what they need to do is they need to also just tackle well and try to, you know, you're going to get beat sometimes, but don't get beat for 60-yard touchdowns. Get beat for 15-yard passes. Like, um, And then you can play a little bit more bend but don't break, and you can't get beat over the top. And um, – you know, things get a little bit more congested when the other team's in, in your end of the field. So, um, I mean, you don't want them there, but it, it, it sometimes prevents like big plays over the top. So, um, yeah, I think that it's the little things that sort of added up to a, a disaster last year. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I think everybody's going to have to be better. It's not just like one guy that's not doing a good job or like one coach. Um, I, I think that they're going to need to just refine all the little details and hopefully it'll come together. And even if you're just marginally better, I mean, that could be the difference between a win and a loss or maybe two or three wins. All right. I want to do something fun. Um, I, I want to, I don't want to, I'm not saying you got to pick, tell me something that is, you know, um, is going to be something you feel all season long. But Damon, I want, I want you to give me, not, not not like a hot take, okay? But I want you to give me some some sort of like storyline or something. Um, we used to do a thing when we would pick games where we were like, what's the what's the headline the next day, right? What's what's the story of this game? Um, you know, so it'd be like, oh, you know, Bryce Perkins runs for two hundred fifty yards or whatever. Um, but at least as of now, give me something that that you feel comfortable saying about this team. Something that you feel like is um, is, is is you're fairly confident in uh in being a thing um again not saying that you're you know we're gonna cook you and eat you at the end of the year if it's not true but i'm just thinking what i'm trying to get to is like how, what what's the vibe right now right um and just give me something that that you feel confident about right now about this team any That's part of any part of the team it's interesting that you pose that question because i was actually thinking about this earlier today it, it not not necessarily in those terms but but in the terms of what what do we know about this team or what do I know about this team versus what do I think I know what you know what I mean what do we think we know and I think I think the the two things I most if, if there are two players or two position groups maybe that I'm most confident about one on each side of the ball I think number one and Dave alluded to this earlier I just think Brennan Armstrong he's just he's just a confident guy like Dave said he seemed really relaxed on that zoom this morning and just kind of rolled with it and has seen that way throughout the course of the preseason, I just think he's poised to have a big year. He's saying all the right things right now. Jason Beck's saying all the right things about how he's just, he's more decisive. He's getting the ball out more quickly. He's done a lot of work on just reading defenses before the snap and having a trying, trying to have a better sense of how they're trying to attack him. And he feels like he's done a better job so far in camp of if that first option's not there, second option's not there, instead of trying to force it to one of them, maybe looking down to the third option, maybe trying to, you know, run or use his feet just to buy a little extra time. So you hope the decision-making is improved and he, and he doesn't have as many turnovers. And if that's the case, I think, I think he's poised to be, to have him have himself a pretty good year. Cause we've seen what it looks like in this offense when, when quarterbacks, can be efficient and, and with both their arm and their legs. And I think he can maybe be similar. And then I just think between the two linebackers, uh, Nick Jackson and, and Noah Taylor, I just think those are two really good football players. And I think those are two guys, those are two of the guys who've been the most outspoken as I talked about at the beginning about just that bad taste in their mouth about the way last year ended and the way last year unfolded as a whole for that defense. They seem to be the two guys who are really setting the tone for the defense and Noah Taylor, just talking to Noah Taylor, these first couple of years, his first couple of years, I should say with this team, he wasn't a guy who had a whole lot to say. He'd come to a Monday press conference Mm -hmm. and he wasn't producing those 20 second sound bites. He was like a five second guy. And just the way he's more outspoken with us, the way teammates say and coaches say he's more outspoken on the field the way he's calling guys out in practice when they're not doing things the right way. And 
the whenever there's players leading the charge like that, as opposed to coaches in practice, that usually leads to good things. And Nick Jackson, a lot of the same things. He may not be as outspoken with teammates, but he just seems like a guy who, again, wants to be more vocal, wants to be more of a leader. We hear about him taking some of the young, younger linebackers under his wing and kind of helping those guys get more acclimated, get acclimated more quickly. West Weeks being the one who I guess they call his little brother uh, as one example. But I think, I think those are guys who I think on either side of the ball. And I realize I'm not exactly, like you said, a hot take artist here with the preseason, all ACC guys going to have a big year at linebacker. But I think, I think those are things that bode well for this team. Those are, those, those are the things that I feel like I know right now. And a lot of, a lot of other things with this team are either things I think I know or things I just do not know right now. So those are the things I would point to. I like how Damon took the question and answered and gave two answers for it as opposed to just one, um, which I, I, I appreciate. I appreciate That's what that. we do on the podcast. Man. <laughs> Seriously, he was like, well, actually, this one, but there's this other one, um, you know, get, get his points on the board, you know, therefore. Um, Ferber, let's go to you next. It, it, so I, I want to ask you the, basically the same question. Um, is there something that you feel confident in with this group right now, despite the fact that, you know, the, the amount of information that's out there is, is minimal at best, but just generally what, what's, what's your, what's your sort of hard takeaway for right now, at least. I'm pretty confident in the quarterback and in particular the quarterback running. Um, that's an area where they really excelled last year, especially late in the year. And I expect, I think all the pieces are there to make it work. Um, you know, like, Bryce Perkins had a big rushing season in 2018. They put a lot on him. Then he got banged up in camp. And the offensive line was really struggling early in that 2019 season. So it took a while before he really turned it on in the second half of the season. And I still would even say in the second half of the season, with the exception of maybe the win over Virginia Tech and the game against North Carolina, like he didn't really recapture what he was doing in 2018 completely. They were relying more on the short passing game, which he did really well in. Um, I think Armstrong with, with the offensive line, you know, pretty much intact from last year and um, having a good season and, and certainly with a lot of momentum going into this year. And then Armstrong, like, you know, we were talking about how confident he is and how he seems to um, be ready to take the next step after getting, you know, a bunch of games under his belt last year. I, th I think that that aspect of the game is going to be solid. Um, I know that the traditional running game, a lot of people are hand wringing about that. Um, but I think ultimately, what matters is moving the football and obviously you want to keep your quarterback healthy. So you don't want to put too much on him, but um, I feel pretty good about that. And then just Armstrong's ability to move the football, whether it's um, short passes or runs, I, I feel pretty good about um, that being a, a cornerstone of the offense. Like it was um, in the latter half of last year, at least. Um, Dave, before I come to you, I, I want to give mine because you know, sometimes you guys got to throw like whatever. Um, listen, we've talked about Jelani Woods a lot. And Dave is going to is going to take Jelani Woods as his guy. We're not gonna we're not gonna um, try to filibuster that. Um, but I saw him put on Instagram the other day that that you know the guys, regardless of whether or not they've earned the numbers yet, they took you know preseason pictures in the jerseys. Um, and he's wearing the zero. And I got to be honest, yeah, I feel like it takes a significant level of confidence in yourself um, to to be a tight end wearing zero. Um, 
you know, this goes back to, you know, um, the Dante Wilkins days when they finally let, you know, the defensive lineman rock the single digits and everything. Um, but, I mean, if there's anything on this team that I'm sure about, is that that guy is going to live up to the hype. Um, and nothing that I saw, both from the last summer conditioning workout and from the little bit of time I saw him moving around the other day, um, no, nothing has dissuaded me from feeling that way. I just, I, I, and I think that the Jersey thing, look, we can, you know, it, we, everybody in, involved in, you know, sports media in general tends to make some, some, um, mountains out of molehills. Um, but that's one of those things like it, it kind of speaks to a confidence level in yourself that you have to have in order to, to do what it requires to be as good as, you know, a lot of us think he can be. Um, so now that I, I hope I haven't stolen that one from you, but if I have, you know, such is life. Uh, what's your what's your what's your choice for this? Yeah, I mean, my hot take. I think the offense is going to be prolific. Um, Ooh. I mean, Ooh. I mean you want a hot take? Just threw the it. gauntlet down, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I just look at the pieces. I mean, we've had like the offense when Perkins was clicking was really good, but it was still so dependent on what he could do. Um, and I think Brennan it will you know definitely stir the drink with this one, but. With Keaton and what he can do, and you know, Brennan kind of snickering today about some of the stuff they have. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, look, Touje, Bronco, Annette, they all hear us complaining about no, you know, no traditional running game. Now, whether they'll go to that in crunch time in games, who knows? But I think we'll see more of that. And it doesn't have to be a lot more, just enough to, you know, if they can get the running backs five to 10 more carries a game, which in some cases would be five to 10 times more than they got. Um, that just opens up so much more. And I'm, I'm confident, you know, even without Davis, who at some point, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and he's, he's back earlier than we hope. Um, and, you know, barring injuries, of course, but with the pieces they have, I think the offense is going to be really good. Um, and maybe, you know, and it gets back to that whole complimentary football piece that we always talk about. Um, even even the better defenses we had, they really excelled when the offense was putting pressure on the other team to have to take chances and, and keep up, um, as all defenses do. Um, and as you know, the other hot take you already know, we're, they're going to be in a 3-3-5 as their base this year. Who knows how many plays per game that'll be, but because they ran a lot of two-man fronts last year. Um, I mean, a 3-3-5 is kind of set up to take advantage of a team that has to pass the ball, so... You know, I think the defense could benefit. You know, the defense will benefit from that offense, but I think, without a doubt, the offense will lead the way this year. I really thought that you were going to jump on the Davis thing. That I, I thought I was setting you up since I took Woods off the board. That you were going to be like, "Yep, uh, can't put that negative mojo." <laughs> Lavelle Davis is going to play, and he's going to play early. Um, yeah. I, that, let's have a look, a quick before we wrap up this week. Let's have a little quick discussion about Lavelle Davis. Damon, my estimation from listening to Bronco talk about it is that he that, that might be one of those things that Bronco's not willing to say right yet. Um, I certainly, in, in talking to various folks leading into that practice, would have told you, and I think I posted this on the message board, that, like, look, the kid has already had an ACL injury before this one. Um, they're probably not going to rush him back, and um, the reality is, is that they want to make sure he's good, um, watching him that day at the last um, summer workout, 
he was off to the side. He was doing his own thing, but he was definitely moving around. Um, Broncos answer to the question, plus giving you know, some stuff we've heard, rumblings here or there, whatever. I mean, maybe it's more open to, to conversation than, than we think. D- Damon, as of right now, do you think Lavelle plays, um, let's say, in the month of September? Um, or do you think the chance that he plays is, is, is more in line with what Bronco is saying right now? Uh, I think September may be a bit ambitious at this point, but I also think there's a good window of time between now and September. Um, the, the target is November at the earliest at the moment. So that, that, I don't know, that leaves an entire month of October in there for debate as well. So I don't know. I get the sense that if he keeps progressing, then they'll probably continue to push him and challenge him and see where they can get him to. But I also think, I don't know, September seems really ambitious to me, but maybe I'm just being overly cautious and overly conservative here, but I would be surprised if he's on the field before, before, I don't know, mid to late October at the, even if things do continue to progress and and maybe get ahead of schedule the way they seem to be trending a little bit. I still feel like September may be a little bit too ambitious. All right. So in that, in that vein, Ferber, give me some odds on, on, um, Davis playing in September. Um, do you think what, what what would you set the what would you set the odds at right now? I mean, I'm not a doctor. Oh come on! This is this is what podcasts are for. It's fine. I would say I would say that the odds of him playing in September are relatively low. Ten um, percent. Okay. What about like, October? I mean, what about October? Uh, you know, normally I would say about the same. Just because, but the, the the thing that's giving me pause is that he's clearly like up and running around, you know, like um, the, the injury he had seemed significant, but I know that sometimes these things are on a scale, like, you know, like it, it could be a minor version of the injury that holds a guy out for a long time. I don't know, 25% or something like that for October. That's fair. Um Damon, are you prepared for the litany of questions that you're going to get about Lavelle Davis playing or not playing? I mean, because uh, it's gonna I, it's gonna be significant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably one of those things as we get closer, and if if there continues to be this sense that he's ra- ramping things up, then yeah, I think those questions seem pretty inevitable. But I, you're probably right. I probably don't realize just how inundated it's going to become as things start if they if they continue to uh trend in that direction the uh the, i guess it, it, if the offense comes out and, and they're good and wicks is having a good season and kemp is strong and you know one of the other guys is sort of filling in um you know in that kind of um consistent role and they're able maybe it's henry or maybe it's um henry <laughs> um you know maybe it's um you know keaton thompson um, if the offense is good, then the call, then the then the the sort of fan desperation to get Lavelle back won't be nearly as um you know as as realistic. I did think it was interesting, you know, um, when Bronco was asked about you know not having Lavelle, and I forget I forget what the context was. We said, well, he's not six seven. Uh, Wicks is I, I think Wicks is going to be a breakout star um, for a lot of people who haven't been paying attention. Um, but I also think that Davis gave them something that no other team that no that no team could really take away from them 
uh, just off the top, right? And I think that, that 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 definitely did change the complexion of their offense. Now, other teams figured out ways to make it harder to do the thing UVA wanted to do, which is essentially just throw it up there to him. Um, but you weren't really going to take him out of the game, right? Um, so I, I feel like they've got to figure out a way to sort of answer that question uh, and do it with some consistency. And with that, I think that is a good place to put a pin in it for this week. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. We should be there. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we very much appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who's found the podcast, which haven't given us a look at the website yet, you check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see, Damon's uh, stuff is rolling out. Um, you know, got stuff. We mentioned Wicks. We mentioned Hagen's. Um, obviously Armstrong, um, some stuff on the running backs, which is one thing we didn't get into tonight, which I think is going to be an interesting um, storyline to follow as camp continues to unfold, is what's happening at running back. I mean, Bronco in the spring said, you know, we got a basically a, a dead heat, uh, and the other day made it sound like, you know, everybody, it's tough for guys to beat uh, Wayne Talapapa when it comes to reps and, um, and such. So um, that's definitely worth giving a look. Um, obviously practice notes and stuff coming later this week. Um, you know, when um, when the Cavaliers um, let media back into uh, the complex uh, at the McHugh. Um, I also, uh, before I forget again, I want to thank Andy Ludicky and uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. You can check them out um, for more information on all the sort of services that he offers there, MyPerfectFranchise.net. My thanks to them for their support of the website and of the podcast. And I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber and Damon for giving graciously of their time on a Wednesday evening. I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. There's something in your-